Hello and welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, author of How to Start a Side Hustle and resident business coach, serving you straight up business advice to help you start, grow and scale the business of your dreams. Welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford. And on today's episode, I am very happy to welcome back a good friend of mine and a expert in the field of expressing and uh, releasing um, trauma and hard times in our life and in our business and using that as a tool to create and to evolve and to see new opportunities and new ideas. So on today's episode, we have Dr. Marion Piper, who is a creativity coach um, and who does a lot of work in this space uh, professionally and also personally is a massive example for me and for many of people. But we dive into this topic of uncertainty, uh, creative funks, feeling scarcity, lack, overwhelm, getting into that kind of funky space where you're just like, oh, is this ever going to work? How am I going to get out of this? What am I going to create next? Um, You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And I think, you know, after years of living in uncertainty and being faced with it in some of the most intense ways, we always have to keep getting back up and keep going and keep fighting. And as business owners and creatives, uh, it's not always easy. And you want to kind of throw your hands in the air and give up or to, you know, just hope and pray that one day it's going to get easier and waiting for that day of being like, when does this get easy? And, you know, I think realizing that it may always be uncertain. I mean, that's the reality of life. Um, but in this episode, uh, we talked to Marion about what is the role of creativity and artists in times of uncertainty, economic uncertainty, um, as well as really practical tools and tips with a lot of vulnerability in there about, yeah, the toll that COVID took on me and Marion, how we're bouncing back from that. Um, But most importantly, what I love most is a practical tip and tools for when you kind of hit those funks and those slumps and it all gets a little bit too much. And the positive side of what you can do to transmute that pain and that hardship and those setbacks into art and creativity and the power that that has. Not always as easy said than done, done than said, but um, yeah, lots of stuff that you can action here and hopefully keep coming back to. All right, enjoy the episode. Don't forget to check out Dr. Marion's work. It's always refreshing and real and raw and something that helps me get through those hard days. All right, let me know what you think. Hello and welcome to the podcast, back to the podcast, Dr. Marion. Oh, my God, I just realized I haven't done a podcast interview in a very long time and I felt like a joke. But welcome to the podcast, Dr. Marion. It's the first interview of 2023. Oh, thanks for having me. And it it is great to be back and always a pleasure to chat with you because no doubt we're going to end up down some fun little rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) They always end up somewhere good. Um, But I think we're just chatting offline and maybe I'll get you to introduce yourself and a bit of of what you do. But 
Um, I think we're just going to approach this as a what we do on a daily basis, it feels, ever since we can. I think we connected 2021, 2021. And then we're emotional support for each other through COVID in Melbourne lockdowns. Um, and felt like we had wines over like voice messages and, you know, Instagram dancing, <laughs> sending videos <laughs> to each other. Um, anyway, but often get into these really real, which I appreciate most about our friendship is these conversations that are really raw and potent and vulnerable. And so I would love to share that today and we'll jump into a topic. But before we do that, how about you kick off with a fabulous introduction? I'd love to. Uh, So for those who don't know me, I'm Dr. Marion Piper. I am a creativity coach, a writer and a speaker, currently based in Melbourne, but have been doing a bit of a digital nomad adventure the last six months. Um, And typically I work with a lot of multi-passionate people, creative entrepreneurs and career creatives. So um, it's a bit of a a pastiche, but I think the the thing that a lot of people I work with have in common is the fact that they are multi-passionate and they really struggle to find that one thing. Um, And I'm kind of here to say it's okay to be interested in so many things and, in fact, that's your superpower um, so that's really what I try to promote uh, because the world, you know, is I think intent on having us try and chase this, you know, elusive one thing. Mm-hmm. But actually because we're such multidimensional people, uh, of course we're naturally going to be attracted to a bunch of different things. So then the conversation that I have with people usually revolves around, well, how do I bring all the loves of my life together um, in a way that is sustainable for me? And this is where I really lean on um, my PhD research around creativity and post-traumatic growth. And um, you may have listened to the episode that Kay and I did back in September 2021 um, around how to glow up your business. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been a process for me of accepting that who that is who I am <laughs> and, and really trying to fight for what I believe in and advocate for creativity, mm. not just as a form of artistry, but really as um as a healing modality. Uh, especially in these times, and I use the inverted commas for these times. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, thank you and love your work and love your commitment to not only the the end result but the process. I think you show that really well on your Instagram and in our conversations and and the way that you, yeah, present yourself. It's not like a a polished, finished product. It's like a, a process and it's a constant creating and recreating which I think is really inspiring um, but can also get exhausting to be in that space because yeah I think as a lot of creatives and it's interesting as you were talking then I think it might have been in the book 4,000 weeks that I read last year and talking about the schooling system you know and it, I mean it comes up a lot for me because I love that topic but you know that when you I think I'm so like I am a like a I mean, I do lots of different things, but I can be very black and white and like, you know, here's the start, here's the finish, I'll race you, you know, like, and get get to the point quicker or I'm going to lose interest, you know, like that kind of way of being. But in saying that, the way you just described that made me think of the schooling system being so uniformed and one directional and, you know, one pathway and, yeah just made me question then I was like hmm is a lot of my black and whiteness because of that as well you know and that yeah it's it's good to be able to you know do 
a bit more of a variety or to, yeah, to zoom out and go, well, what is the, what direction am I being pulled in next? Rather than being like, no, this is how I've always done things. Yeah, it is hard. And I think, um, I think you, you know, how, how we're raised, uh, what we're taught and the systems, uh, around those things often dictate where we end up. And I think that's why at the moment we're seeing this big push about or this larger conversation around habits and process as opposed to uh, the destination and the outcome. And mm. so, um, and that's where I think creativity can be such a useful concept um, as a, co- just even just as a concept, not necessarily as a practice, um, because what it is, is it's, ex- it's expansive. Um, mm. It's not designed um like the schooling system to prepare us for work because that's, I think, what we forget. And there's a lot of people who speak about this much more eloquently than I do and, um, you know, and I'm saying this from a position of someone who adored school, you know, Mm -hmm. I went right through and did a PhD so that should give you an indication that I do believe in the system and the value of it Um, but often the delivery, the how, how we do things is overlooked uh, because we're sold on the destination and this is something that I'm starting to understand a little bit in in, in more depth now especially as I take a much more critical eye to the things that I'm consuming um, particularly in the online space, you know, a lot of these uh, like people you see people talk about online courses and they're selling you the transformation um but they're not actually selling you the how you know they say Mm. you're going to go from this to this but what about the gap in the middle (laughs) what Mm. does that feel like how do I manage that what what happens when I want to quit what happens when I have success that and I've never had success before and I don't know how to manage it you know so there's a Mm. huge chunk of life that we we just bypass because we're not taught how to how to sit, how to sit mm. in the emotion of the process, how to sit in the experience, but equally how not to repress our natural reaction, right? Mm. And, uh, and it's not yeah. even just sitting in it, it's experiencing it. It's got no value. It doesn't have the value is not that it it does have value. The common lie that we're sold is that the process isn't the valuable part. The end goal is the valuable part. And it's it's so interesting. I think I might have even shared this article with you and I need to go and find it and reread it. But the, I think I sent you one a while back about selling the future and mm. it's exactly that. We're sold, we're so conditioned into um, wanting more or being something that we're not or improving or, you know, comparing um, and that it's, yeah, we're, we're looking and it's like how many times have we heard people and witnessed people's lives who gain what someone might consider success and not be happy there, you know, and mm. you see it a lot and it's not, not only is it not happy, but it can also take lives in, you know, addiction and abuse and, and burnout and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really important part of yeah. the, whoa, that was a big truck just <laughs> beeped so loudly. Wow, that was great. Um, but are talking about the process and yeah, and valuing, giving that value, I think. Um, I'm really interested to dive into so as the black and white thinker and you're the creative thinker, what is like th- this value of creativity and process? In a world where, I mean, we've we've been through a lot, you know, and I think even when I was writing it down, I was like, yeah, it's been COVID and there was a war in Russia and now we're in this economic situation and, you know, the cost of living and all these things. And I was like, 
part of me was like, yeah, that's life. You know, you've got, <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. You never just be like, okay, we're just going to have a break where there's not a major thing. Also, you could argue like if you don't watch the news or any of those things happening. <laughs> but, you know, these things happen. What, what role does creativity, how do you justify creativity? How do you make room for it? How do you carve it out? What role does it need to play, especially in times of what a lot of people would consider stress, uncertainty, scarcity, you know, um, fear at the moment. It feels like there's a very big collective, you know, um, burden on people about what is happening in the world and and how does that impact, you know, our ability, our, yeah, financial security. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Uh, So I think there's a, this is a bit of a multi-layered experience and response here, right? I think when we are in in really challenging times uh, and we are in fight or flight and we're stressed out, uh, our vision, and I use vision not necessarily just as looking, but our ability to take things in narrows. So what uh, creativity um, gives us, the creativity gives us the ability to zoom out. And I think what what happens when our focus is narrows is, is that we forget about the bigger picture. We forget about the fact that this moment in time is a, you know, a blip on the larger uh, experience of what it is to be a human and to be a human who is alive. You know, lockdown was two years, two to two to two to three years of our, say, 80 to 85 years. You know, it's a very small percentage of the overall whole. And so if we can develop the ability to pause, first of all, and catch ourselves in these cycles of scarcity, in these cycles of stress, which is not easy, you know, it is not easy. That's why I sort of say that everything is a practice. Um, And the first thing you have to do is recognise, you know, what you're experiencing, what emotion is coming up for you. And there are various different ways that you can do that and lots of different support that you can tap into to help you do that. Um, But if you can recognise that you are experiencing this emotion and you have a a tool or a method to pull yourself out of that for a moment, just long enough to recognise that it's going on and to look at the big picture, um, it it does something to you. It allows you to expand. Mm. And and when you put yourself, um, this is where particularly the act of creating, of making something, um, it takes you out of that experience of stress. You know, it it puts your attention into something in that's different in front of you and it pulls you out of your head. And that's the goal, right, is we've got to get out of our own head and into our bodies. Mm. Oh, this is good. I think we can go like a step backwards and then a step forwards because I want to mm. I want to go back and because you are a doctor, Marion Piper, <laughs> <laughs> you're qualified for me to really grill you on this stuff and I want to go back to really pinpointing those emotions of fear, scarcity and how do we identify them and pull ourselves out of them. Then what practices we can do, which I know you are an expert in using it as out like alchemizing the pain and the the fear and stuff into ideas and and creativity but then I also want to um yes to see what that looks like in terms of sustaining it and staying out of it as well I think would be awesome but let's um this idea so in this moment of like I, I think also the benefits of creativity I think is like the 
um, the self-expression and all of those things. But let's start at the beginning because I think this could be a really useful therapy session for people. And, you know, I think we both chatted earlier before, January can be a really quiet month. If you work for yourself, it can be really scary. It can it can activate a lot of fear, let alone, you know, um, you, um, sitting in the unknown of, you know, how you, your year is going to play out, but also, you know, coming off the back of being expensive, December, economic stuff, all those things, right? Um, and so I think, yeah, it's a really real experience for a lot of people myself included that it's like it comes around every time of year where you're like you know is is our thing is going to work out you know and so how it's also not easy to catch you know I think unless you you know you've got a a good practice and you've got people around you and all those like I mean even if you do have all those things it's bloody hard because the stories we tell ourselves in our heads and they can get really loud and really dark and they can also get really blurred as to where they're coming from. Is it like, is it my self-belief? Is it that I, have I, you know, gone into a past pattern that I learned from my parents or, you know, um, is this the way that I think society sees me or, you know, all those, but yeah, how do you really, like, if you really try and pinpoint it, what would be some tools or resources or, doctor advice (laughs) as to how to really start to find those emotions before they get the better of you because I think my reasoning for this is that and maybe you can help to identify words of what they might feel like in the body because I know that if we don't catch them then we run the risk of people giving up on their creativity and we lose really great artists and creators and and open thinking, creative minds, like in so many ways, that go and, you know, might exit this space and maybe we'll, I think it will always eventually find themselves back. But, my work, yeah, in times of uncertainty and stress, how do we help our creatives through this without losing them to feeling like they need to revert back to safety of, you know, a job or something that's not serving them. Or stuff yeah, this, this, is, this is such a huge, huge uh, issue. <laughs> so I'm going to do my best to answer it with the information that I have. Um, and I also want to preface this by saying that I'm not a psychologist. I've done a PhD. I've researched this from a, a research perspective and from a practical perspective. Um, but first and foremost, you got to understand that no matter what anybody else tells you, whatever, ever, uh, ever, ever conversations that you see online or with people around you, is that you're human, and as human beings, we have emotions, and emotions are natural, whatever they are: anger, fear, resentment, being afraid, uh, feeling blocked. All of this stuff is a normal reaction to a very abnormal world. And this is something that Dr. Gabor Mate goes into in great depth in his book, The Myth of Normal, which I haven't read, but I've listened to a number number of podcasts lately where he started to talk about and bring this to light. Um, What we consider normal um, is actually not normal at all. (laughs) So um, understand that you are um, an organic um, creature and being existing in a situation um, that more often than not, is not designed to help you be healthy and natural. So Mm. already we we are in a situation um, that isn't designed for for our well-being. So, um, you know, a lot of the time it's not your fault 
that you are reacting the way that you are reacting. Uh, there are systems in the world that you are reacting to. So first and foremost, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing mm. wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the way that you're reacting. So I want to start from that place of understanding that you are doing the best that you can with the information and the tools that you have available to mm. yourself here and now, you know. So I really love that. I think it's, the, yeah, just quickly I want to add to is like this feeling and it just clicked for me too is like, you know, I think with a stress response for me can actually be like control, like, you know, yes. let's yes. get under more control. And it's something that you said to earlier about suppressing these feelings. And I think the permission to say feel because, you know, we're sold this, like, especially as women, I think, you know, sit down and be quiet and, you know, and look pretty and, you know, mm. don't make a fuss, you know, and mm. rather than like, I'm feeling all the feels, <laughs> which is really beautiful. I've really I felt an ease in my entire body when you gave that permission because it was like oh that's such a simple thing but it's like yes these are really real I don't need to control them I don't need to put them in a box and keep them to the side no and if Mm. you what you do not express you end up repressing and what you repress can cause way way much more damage inside of you than probably any expression could outside of you so um first and foremost yeah first and foremost your job is to feel what you're experiencing and um you do not have to share that on social media that does not have to become a part of your content plan or your brand you can Mm -hmm. just express things as they come up right and I think there's in you know in the research that I've come across uh a lot of people say that it takes about 90 seconds for an emotion to pass through you. So um, one of the first tools that I do when I feel in my body, the way that the way that if I, I know I'm having a strong emotional reaction, if my breath uh, quickens and my heart rate quickens, my breath goes really shallow. So I breathe up here. I breathe up in my head and in my throat, not down in my belly. So one of the first things I'll do when I feel that tense, so you kind of feel like your body just gets, you become a little bit on edge maybe you might be a little bit more sensitive to sound or to light. So any um, your emotions, your senses will kind of heighten a little bit. When I notice this happening um, and I'm feeling, and it's feeling really overwhelming, I just stop. Whatever mm. I'm doing, I stop. I put my phone down. I shut my computer screen. I, I will walk away. I will get up and move from where I am. And I will, I will, I'll give myself about 90, minute, 90 seconds to two minutes to just feel what's happening. More often than not, I'd probably say like seven out of 10 times, um, that's enough. And I take a few deep breaths and I'm like, okay, okay, all right, that's okay. Like something happened. I was processing something, that's fine. But then every now and then it won't stop. And I think this, this is when um, the fight mm. or flight then starts to kick in and we, we, we become um, more reactionary than responsive. Mm. And so it's in those moments that I know, okay, there's something serious happening here. Uh, and then I'll, I'll tend to sit with it a little bit longer. Um, mm-hmm. My my natural response, and this is something I've done since I could pick up a pen, is to write it down and to write it out. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, if we do not repress, um, sorry, if we do not express um, uh, what the emotional, the feeling that's trying to get through us, it will become repressed. And so mm-hmm. um, your job at that point, once you've recognized something's happening, um, is to get it out, however mm-hmm. you want to get it out. For some people, it's dance it out. For some people, it's talk it out. You might be someone who needs to sh- to shout it out or scream it out, mm. uh, stomp it out, uh, swim it out, uh, 
you know, go to the gym and, you know, hit a punching bag, whatever you need to do. Oftentimes it's something very physical. So, Mm -hmm. um, because again, emotions are energy in motion and the way to get energy out is to move your body. So Mm -hmm. that is probably where I'd say to start. Yeah, um, especially if it's a if it's a if it feels like an overwhelming experience mm. um, for things that are more chronic, um, you know, that might might require a little bit more investigation on your behalf mm. with the support of, say, your GP, uh, a therapist or even, you know, a coach or, you know, a yoga class or something where something where you don't have to be the one to directly um drive the investigation so um one of the tips that I always give to uh, my creativity coaching clients who say that they don't know what to create next or they're like I'm blocked I don't know what to do the very first thing I tell them to do is to go and take a class go and take instruction because sometimes we need we just need to hand over that to somebody else and and allow ourselves just to be taken along on on a process it might not it might be because Maybe this. Maybe we're too. We are. We're identifying too much with what we're creating, so we can't actually um, extricate ourselves enough, gain enough distance to be able to walk ourselves through that process. So it's perfectly normal and perfectly fine. And I'd encourage you to to just take a class, even if it's like mm-hmm. a a YouTube class for twenty minutes, right? And I think that applies to pretty much anything as well. Mm, I love that. It's striking up coming off the back of that uh, myth of normal Gabriel Mate's work is you saying, um, which I think is something, you know, coming into February and, yeah, having, you know, so much going on that's being like, okay, I'm really, I feel behind already. And it's when you're like, oh, I'm having an emotion. So I put my phone down and I closed my laptop. I was like, <gasps> like I had a physical response and being like, that's a really normal thing to do. If you're, in a stress situation and a bit it just made me realize yeah how many times I'd be like suppressed and I don't just go hang on this is a lot and the other thing that stood out was that you know you pick up a pen straight away and I'm yeah noticing the suppression that's like they sit at the computer longer (laughs) and you can Mm. fix it working and but that's also suppressing the emotion so then I don't sleep well because my unconscious I'm also if I get up from my computer I can sometimes I go sit in the sun on on my roof and um but I'll put a podcast in and learn and it's like okay well I'll just keep like adding learning and stuff and yeah and then eventually I reckon probably uh, I probably average like you know third or fourth day of distraction and noise to really just like drown it out that I will punch my pillow I will sob for no like uncontrollably I will journal I will and then you kind of surrender to and then get to that point where I'm like oh god why didn't I do that days ago because I'm also exhausted by this point because I've been all my energy is going to pushing things down and by working harder and then not sleeping, and then I don't look after myself, and I just drink black coffee, and then, <laughs> and I'm exhausted, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, there's two things I'd say is that I think that that story of just sit at the computer and do more that is that is not your story that's coming in. That is one that you've learned and inherited from somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, probably just from living in uh, in late stage capitalism. Uh, but the other thing is too is that emotional reaction that I spoke about earlier, where you feel that tense and you feel that you know your your vision kind of your focus narrowing. Um, for me, that's an indication that my cup is full. 
Like my cup is full. And what, what do you do to a full cup? You don't keep pouring water into it, right? You've got to pour it out. So that to me is an indication. Dump more in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just keep filling it up. Um, um, and the answer is no, do not go and get a bigger cup. That is not how this works. <laughs> um, you know, you tip a little bit out. And I think um, th- that's why I think this this practice of, um, you know, coming back to yourself and checking in with your emotions and checking in with your body, which is what mindfulness is built on, mm. um, it gives you just just long enough, just long enough to tip a little bit out of your cup. You're not trying to empty the whole thing, you know, and this is why you see people who are, um, you know, really high achievers, you know, the working, 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 that they end up burning out. It's because they haven't figured out for them um, how to just tip a little bit out. We don't want to empty the whole thing because then we'll panic because we'll be, again, we'll be depleted but for a different reason. Um, so it's about finding that sweet spot for yourself where, you know, you're taking in enough to inspire you but you're also um, giving enough in output that it energizes you because it's in the mm. output, it is in the creation that we re-energize ourselves. It's not mm. in the doing nothing, you know, it's yeah. not in that doing I, part. I love that and it reminds me, and I know we'll get into this because I think you teach this really well, but it reminds me of when I first got into a morning routine and it was, I, I used to think that I needed a morning routine for years. I think, I don't know, I've shared it before, but I, I literally, I was like, I know that meditation is good for me. Uh, you know, like coming from a Catholic upbringing where we, you know, I, prayer on a regular basis was soothing, you know, and so I knew that the sitting in silence was a good thing for me. Had it in my diary for years, like as a re- like two years, I think, as a reoccurring on Fridays, I'm going to go to meditation class. It was 10 minutes down the road. <clears throat> Never did it. <laughs> and then once I finally carved it out because I read Joe Dispenza's work and I had meaning and purpose to it, but the analogy that you just used of pouring out a little bit of the cup and not the whole thing, because I think that's what it used to think, that if I if I meditate or I have a, a morning routine, then I, like, I... I still want to be productive, Kate. You know, like it's like it was almost like this vision of like spiritual hippie versus, you know, successful entrepreneur and they couldn't coexist. Whereas like they, that little bit of, instead of adding, getting up and getting straight to my desk at 6 a.m. to try and fix it, I get up and I meditate at 6 a.m. And that's for me, yeah, as that. And it's, I think it's for our overachievers and perfectionists and, you know, people people in a living stress response that they might be suppressing right now, um, often the thing of pouring out something feels like you're clinging to it so tightly, like I could not possibly, you know, or shutting the laptop or the phone and going, I need to go and feel this, but you, you're clinging to it. I know the feeling of being like, no way, don't tell me to stop. I've got to keep going um, is actually the best thing to create some expressive or reflective routine absolutely and I think um you've identified something that has been missing from the conversation around creativity and specifically in relationship to productivity and work um, is that there is uh the the creative process itself as it is known in the literature is typically like a five-stage process right um, nowhere in that process, because it's represented lin- like in a linear fashion, goes from, you know, having having the idea, getting ready for the idea, making the idea and sharing the idea. 
Nowhere in that process is rest mentioned or recovery mm-hmm. or recuperation. Or change um, the idea 10 billion times. <laughs> yeah. Or flip-flop around for five years uh, because you just haven't had the confidence to pull the trigger. Um, not, not looking at anybody, hashtag looks in the mirror. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and this is the other thing too, like um, I've been thinking a lot about consistency in, in this whole conversation um especially as it pertains to this idea of like how do we find certainty in uncertain times mm-hmm. um and so having 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 things that for you give you consistency and what i mean by the word consistency is um having and this relates to your morning morning routine right um when when we do something consistently consistently it doesn't mean that we do it every day it means mm-hmm. that we have the same process for it every single time that we do it Right. Mm -hmm. So it's again coming back to what we're talking about at the start about how important it is to refine that process and to have that process be something that um, allows you to tip a little bit out of the cup um, at the same time that it pours a little bit back in. Right. So there's that Mm -hmm. beautiful um, weighted balance between giving and taking in this process. Um, And this is one of the things that I'm on a bit of a bugbear at the moment is people that are saying, you know, um, people expect consistency. We expect things to be a certain way, um, which I think is a huge myth. You know, yes, we can train people to expect things from us, but at the end of the day, everyone is so absorbed in their own little side of the universe, they actually don't know whether or not you're being consistent. Yet mm. we are told, we have fed this story that in order to succeed, we must be consistent. Mm-hmm. But it's consistent in terms of always being on rather mm. than consistent as in, how do you do things in a way that is completely sustainable? Sustainable meaning I could do this forever without interruption because it, it it's like a self self feeding process. So this mm. is what I'm interested in: is how can yeah. we how can we build a creative life that allows us to tip from the cup, pour back into the cup, tip from the cup, pour back into the cup, in a way that. Uh, allows us to feed any goal, any idea, any dream, any vision into that, and it spits it out at the other end and we just keep going, you know, Um, because we've built in practices that allow us to stop, practices that allow us to rest, but also practices that allow us to accelerate when we have the energy because that's the thing, right? Like oftentimes energy is quite unpredictable and there's been stretches of time where I haven't been able to do anything for like two weeks and then all of a sudden for three days I get everything done that I would have done half-assed in those three weeks in three days. Mm-hmm. So, again, because I followed the – because I, and this is what I figured out, it's because I created a process uh, that was really tight and that had really specific steps and it had um, – it was like a no-brainer. It's like, oh, of course, that is how I would create an email newsletter this mm-hmm. step, this step, this step, this step. And then I just rinse and repeat that, right? And mm-hmm. this is the other thing too. Um, certainty and consistency are boring as fuck. <laughs> a lot of the things that you need to sustain you are really boring and really lame, you know? But mm-hmm. yet there's this part of us that thinks, oh, like I'm going to be an entrepreneur and it's going to be exciting and 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 big lights and, you know, I'm going to be on the stage. And yeah, sure, there are moments like that. But more often than not, it's really boring and mundane. And this is why mm-hmm. we have to get used to finding joy and meaning in those routines, like mm. your morning routine, and having having the having the, I guess the the goal or the courage 
to create one that is specific for ourselves and not just, you know, mm. picking and choosing and copying what other people are doing. Yeah. Uh, but again, it comes back to that, um, you know, how how much how well do you know yourself? Mm. This is the question it always comes yeah. back to. Oh, I love that so much, and I love the idea of a routine being. Uh, it's almost like it's I know I need to stop and so for you it's shutting the computer and and walking away for me it's getting up and meditating or sitting in the sunshine or swimming you know like it's that it's a consistency in um in knowing that I've got this the skills to a identify and b feel it and experience it and it actually just made me think about the word consistency consistency for me is like it's a it's a routine so it's like a you know and it used to be like no I do this 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 and this but now it's like I have time to myself first thing in the morning that's that's the perimeter that's all it is it's time for myself to ground and start my day with intention um but that has become and and you know I worked hard at building that that it's just a non-negotiable and it's it's not even a chore or anything you know but I, I definitely was disciplined to meditate at the beginning um, but it makes me think of like the, the brain and how much it craves patterns and certainty. So, it, you know, it, consistency is, is a routine. A routine is a well-born habit. A habit is a pattern and a pattern is a known neuro pathway that your brain has programmed for safety to create. If we, when we have routines and patterns and, and um, consistency in our life, which is so interesting to think this conversation started with having stress responses to uncertainty and getting to the pattern, which is a sign of safety because your brain is on autopilot of the the brain and and the human body is most comfortable in well-worn pathways because it's what we know and it's predictable and we can do it. So it's, it's, yeah. How cool! That's good. That was a great little. I, I I love how you broke that down too, and it also it also explains why uh, it's so difficult for us to one change, <laughs> especially if your neural pathways, if your habits and patterns were wired um, when you were younger around trauma. So if you have someone who has experienced, um, you know, childhood trauma or even even lockdown trauma. Um, because it changes your behaviors because you have to respond differently to what's going on. And you do, you, you have, if you're doing that over time, particularly we're in lockdown in Melbourne for like two years, right? Um, it's going to take some time for those patterns to undo. So what we're seeing right now, I think is the first processing of lockdown that's happened because people are realizing, actually, I don't, I don't want to feel like this. I know the world is chaotic and I know that there's so many things are going on, but actually I never used to react like this. And why am I reacting like Mm. this? Again, this is why I say it's not your fault. It's not your Mm. fault that you are reacting the way that you are reacting. Um, Mm. But I'm glad you mentioned this idea too of safety because in order to express ourselves, we have to feel safe. Our nervous system has to be um, you know, quiet enough in order for us to feel comfortable enough to listen to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so if you are waiting for the world to give you that certainty and that safety, you are going to be waiting the rest of your life because mm-hmm. it just ain't coming, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because the world the world is not this set uh, certain thing. 
Um, it is, it is, na- nature is, while it does have patterns and rhythms and seasons, people are chaotic. People are unpredictable. People are uncertain. And that is the world. When we say the world, that's, I think that's ultimately what we're referring to is mm-hmm. everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is why it's so important to, to find, to take the time to experiment, to play, to figure out the things that help you feel safe. Um, and for you, you know, it is meditating. It's having that time in the morning that's just for you. Um, and and I, gu- I guarantee anything, most of the things that make us feel safer, uh, they don't cost anything. <laughs> it's being in nature. It's, you know, being you know, around people who um, who love and support you and care for you and and give you support and um, and allow you to be yourself, mm-hmm. right? So, um Self-expression in itself, I think, is one of the things that allows me to feel really safe. Um, and the practice that I've discovered over time that has facilitated that is journaling, which is why mm-hmm. I bang on about it so much. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not it's not impossible to change. But the thing is, those, pa- those neural pathways and those patterns and those behaviours that we have had, especially if you are someone who's been through, you know, trauma in the past, um, there's always going to be a memory of that within our brains because mm. we carry we we in everything that we every experience we have imprints on us, and so mm-hmm. this is why you know where today we're we're talking about this and talking about how how you can catch yourself because mm. um, the key the key to the change or at least making room for the change is catching the pattern when it happens. And then consciously and intentionally overriding it and choosing mm. a different path, which I think it's a lot so, of people yeah. forget forget that they have the agency to do that. But you do have the agency to yeah. do that, but it just takes takes a little bit more effort and attention. Yeah. And I know I think we I really want to get into that as our next step because I think that's where your expertise are particularly glowing in how do people do that in a regular basis. And um I just want to quickly touch on that topic of of lockdown trauma because it's something that I have really been sitting with, especially the last few weeks. And I think, you know, at the end of last year's, you know, chaotic and you know, end of the year was busy last year and in general was a shit show but um you know this last few weeks I've actually been really sitting with lock you know you and I were both you know I think in the middle of winter lockdown solo Melbourne living solo and you know did our best to support each other but it was yeah it was it was really hard a lot of the time and I think something that I've really noticed in myself is that I I have lockdown habits that haven't lifted which is you know, I can spend a really busy weekend with my partner and, and catch up with a friend. And, um, but then I do this thing where a few nights a week I'll sit at home and, or like a, a few days even where I don't, I don't leave my apartment. And I'm like, and maybe because I started watching World's Toughest Prisons <laughs> where <laughs> I'm like, I, I've noticed the other day and I said to my brother, I was like, I think I need to go back to therapy because I didn't leave my apartment two days and I, it was like I couldn't it was this it yeah it's like I was so comfortable not leaving because yeah I was like this is I can because it's this safe feel. yeah it's safe I, the home is I safe yeah um and yeah and I think it was that thing of being like I got it was so painful to not leave the house during lockdown and then it got comfortable and it's like yeah you you kind of expand to the house and be like oh well, this will do and really realizing yeah I need to we get enough I had an office before lockdown I did in-person coaching sessions I went to networking events I spoke in real life at 
networking about, you know, speaking gigs. So, yeah, and I think it's really important and I think to bring this into context is that I was doing it and I didn't, and I've only just been able to notice it and to actually give it this exact expression, you know, to say, oh, I don't think that's a healthy behaviour and you need to, re-. and now, now going, I've only, to the last two weeks, I've now gone, okay, I'm ready to change this. Like I'm ready to rewire this. This has become normal for me and it's it's a really unhealthy way to live. I'm not interacting with people in real life and other than my girlfriend and like set events, I don't have my own hobbies. But I think what I'm doing is I'm catching that now and like, you know, I put my running shoes out the other day and I was like, okay, we're going for a walk and we're, we're doing this thing, you know, and so... Or sometimes it's literally walking out of the house and being like, yeah, like feeling really anxious, but it's like, just leave the house, you know? And I walk around and check everything all the time. But no, I've forgotten something. And it's like, but it's like this pacing around the house because the next thing to do is to leave and I'm procrastinating. Um, But starting to catch those things and say, just walk out the front door. You've done everything. And like literally have to take that to my my head. But I think where this could lead into your expertise is yeah I've noticed it and I've caught it and now I'm I'm doing those little tiny wins where I can say to myself and I think I I probably learned this from you of really catching good wins little wins and and fanning them and saying yeah okay you you know like you you're not going to be the weirdo that's stuck in the house forever you know you here's where you left the house is where you said notice that you needed to do something different and you did it even if it was just going for a walk yeah so there's a there's a few things here um and I know I I believe we did talk about it very very briefly in our first podcast chat but I want to bring people's attention to the concept of rumination um and ruminative thinking and so these are the thought loops that we get stuck on because rumination essentially means that it's just like you're just thinking the same thing over and over and over and over, and over again. Um, and that's, I think, is what prevents us from catching ourselves is that these thought loops happen because your brain is trying to make sense of what's going on while it's happening, which is that's mm. what makes it so confusing. And I think people, um, at least what, I, what I've observed and what I've read in the research, um, typically rumination can especially if you're recovering from a trauma can kind of go one of two ways there's two types of ruminative thinking the first is intrusive rumination and that is um the the repeated focus on the negative thoughts and then we have deliberate rumination which is um the the process of focusing on the experience from multiple angles and and intentionally looking at it um, and dissecting it and going, okay, well, well, how does this make me feel both positively and negatively? How do I want to feel? What happened? Uh, What did I do next? You know, and so this is where, again, journaling is a really useful tool and therapy as well. Um, Journaling and therapy, uh, I'd say like very, very similar in process because Therapy, you are having a dialogue with a therapist who's helping you deliberately ruminate on what's going on. Journaling um, gives you an opportunity to be both the therapist and the patient, but on paper. Um, And this is the cathartic uh, aspect of journaling. And it's an incredibly creative process. Both of them are. Um, And so by instead of instead of 
giving in to the ruminative thought and instead of um, following down the same track and getting frustrated again, what if next time you took that thought and you just wrote it down and mm. then started to actually think about it from a few different perspectives, start to pick, a, pick it apart a little bit, be really curious around what is happening and if we use your um staying at home as an example it's like well okay why do I stay at home it's comfortable it's safe um you know no one's around I don't have to be on you know and you know the negative sides it means that I'm not out getting fresh air it means that I'm not um engaging with friends it means that I'm not um enjoying my city you know and so what it does is it allows you to build a bit of a bigger picture around your behavior or your reaction you know because I think it's a perfectly normal reaction to going through a pandemic um, is to continue that behavior until that behavior gets to a certain point where it becomes destructive or it becomes mm. noticeably um uh, antithesis weird. to yeah weird, yeah. yeah weird 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 or just you know it's it's not what you want to do anymore right it can be as simple as that you might just be like actually you know what? I don't want to drink anymore actually I don't mm. want to eat meat anymore actually I don't mm. want to hang out with this Google people anymore that is you catching yourself um in a moment where your needs have changed right so mm. this is what all this stuff is is about what do I need right now you know maybe mm. right now I do need to stay home but maybe right now what I need is to be around people and mm. Allowing yourself that really uncomfortable luxury of changing your mind, mm. of being like, you know what, actually, I'm a different person now than I was a year ago, so this person is going to need different things. What, what do they need, you know? Mm. Um, so I don't think all of this stuff that we're talking about, um, I really want to pull people away from this binary of yes or no, day or night, lockdown, no lockdown, right? All these things exist together. We are constantly mm. having to hold so many competing um, ideas, emotions, experiences, you know, and it's why, you know, it's what makes relationships so wonderful mm. and so complicated, right? Mm. And especially the relationship we have with ourselves because we mm. constantly our biggest, our first and biggest critic because we see everything that we do, right? Mm -hmm. And so that in itself is going to fill up your cup really quickly every day because you're like, mm. oh, I said I was going to go for a walk and I didn't. Why didn't I do that? Oh, I'm such a failure, blah, 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 you know? So it's really it's really important mm. to focus on the thoughts and what's happening in your head and in your heart and to reconcile mm. the two. Um, yeah. And particularly uh, if you do want to change, if you do want to make those those small tweaks, you know, mm. it takes time. You know, all this stuff takes time. Yeah, I love that. And I think the really good way to round back to this building and this this um, regular, you know, pra practice of, of journaling or and self-reflection and some of the things that you teach with creativity because, you know, I think starting off this conversation with, you know, how does, what role does creativity play in times of, you know, stress and uncertainty it's the first thing to go out the window when we are stressed and there is uncertainty because we try to, you know, cling to safety and, and patterns and, you know, there's good ones that we can put in there to create that sense of safety which lowers the nervous system and then allows room for creativity and process. Um, but I know that you talk a lot about using not only like, you know, having having a stressed experience and you know, we've talked a lot about when they when they come up, and I think what you said just now is really important to say that they, they, it's this is something that we've got to be ready 
for all the time, you know, because it's life. It's it's high emotive. But anything could happen. And and so how do we create ourselves, you know, prime ourselves to be able to to process, to experience, to not make it bad, but to lean into it and and explore it and to alchemize it. Um, and I'd really love for you to talk about that because I know that you're really passionate about um, using creativity and art and and our pain and our traumas and our experiences that we might want to put away in a little box and not tell anyone about. Um, and it, you ooze this in in everything that you do with because it's authentic. You're enough. I consider you so deeply authentically yourself which is refreshing and why we connect because I can't handle much more anyone that's not, you know, it's like the first thing I want to call out on people. But, yeah, but I think it's because you lived this and you've developed this practice through your studies and your research but also how you live your life. Yeah, oh, man, transmutation Mm -hmm. is a a fantastic word to describe this process. It's where we take something and we turn it into something else. And all the creatives, the artists who are listening will know this process because it's what you do day in and day out when you take your client's ideas and you turn them into a website or you turn them into a blog or you turn them into a social media campaign. You know, that transmutation process of taking um, something and turning it into something else can also apply to our difficult life circumstances. And I always use the example of Frida Kahlo. She she was like the master of this, right? She um, was in a terrible accident when she was younger, um, which ended basically kept her bed bound for years. And, you know, she could have just sat there and did nothing, but there was a part of her that was trying to make sense of what had happened to her um, and trying to understand what why this happened. Because um, if we can make something meaningful, um, it gives us fuel, it gives us energy, mm. it gives us the strength we need to keep going because otherwise it's so easy to give up. If you if you don't have a, have a practice of being able to find your own reason why, of course, like it's so easy to just go, go along with um, what's happening in life. And, you know, there's this quote that says, only dead fish go with the flow, which I kind of mm. love. You know, so um, the you know all the other fish, the alive ones, um, they move with the flow. You know, they don't let it carry them, but they 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 harness it in order to go where they want to go. And so this process of taking our pain and alchemizing it, um, I think, first begins with actually accepting. There's a level of acceptance that needs to happen of not so much why did this happen to me, but this thing happened to me, and what next. You know what? What am I gonna? What am I gonna do next? What am I gonna do with this? And in, um, I use the example. I spoke at um, No BS conference last October. I use the example of what happened when the sister that I never met um, passed away, and I was faced with this dilemma of having this huge amount of grief for this person um, who was very similar to me from all from all accounts, um, but I'd never known. You know, so I had to reconcile these two things that didn't make sense. And oftentimes that's what pain does is that it it cuts right through meaning and it fractures meaning. It fractures your worldview because you're like, wait, beforehand this is what a sister was meant to be and now like this is what I'm dealing with and it doesn't make sense. So transmuting our pain um, gives us the agency to decide what something means. And when we are given that agency, when we have that agency, um, we feel empowered 
And Mm. it allows us to actually not be the victim of our circumstance, but to actually use that experience um, as something helpful, right? Mm. And so what I did was I, um, as part of a research project, I interviewed um, a group of 30, 30, 35 women for stories of their childhood sibling relationships, of, of their sister relationships. And I took those stories and I created a narrative of all the things that me and my sister could have shared but didn't in order to give myself what I didn't need. And that, mm. that's what, so pain takes, pain takes, robs us of our ability to, 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 to soothe ourselves, but then to mm. also give ourselves what we need. And this is where I think creativity is incredibly powerful because it puts you in that driver's seat and it gives you the agency that you need to not become the victim because it reminds mm. you that actually experience is a raw material. And if you, I, I, I like to think of it or, or refer to it as the chef who's trying to cook a meal, you know, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily, um, I mean, I mean, they have an idea of how they want the meal to, to look and to taste and, you know, and, but then they have a recipe, they have a step-by-step recipe. And, but then the quality of the meal is determined by the quality of the ingredients. So mm-hmm. um, that's why the best restaurants often have the most beautiful ingredients. And so um, I see pain as a very incredibly high quality, beautiful ingredient. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds really counter yeah. ca- counterintuitive, but because yeah. um, it's, because it's so volatile and it's so specific to you mm-hmm. um, and it is, and it's, it's fire. Pain for mm. me is fire. And yeah. um, you don't, you don't tame fire. You learn how to work with it. Mm. I love when you called it a raw material, because as you were talking about, and I know we've talked a lot about alchemy and transmuting and, you know, reminds me of the book, The Alchemist, where, but I've, I've read lots of books on, you know, searching for the elixir of life and a lot of, you know, um, yeah, like those, it's how many books, the Holy Grail, the, the Philosopher's Stone, the Alchemist, like it's, there's so many books about people on their search for meaning. And mm. um, when you called it a raw material, you know, there's, there's heaps of those kind of books that are talking about, you know, how do we make this elixir that's going to make me live forever, you know, and everyone on this search and it needs raw materials, you know, and I think at turning, you know, um, melting gold and like all that you still needs materials and I think yeah it's really I love it because it it you that also mentioned that you need it as an ingredient because it's the raw material that we're going to alchemize but uh, then it's the fracturing of the story so it's like everything we were talking about earlier is these stories that we tell ourselves if we inquire into the pain then we we fracture we fracture the story and we question it and we go oh and you know even back to the very beginning of this conversation is this is this a story you know I've been living like this and it's I was so convinced of the story this pain has fractured the story and now I'm seeing differently uh and the story I was telling myself was actually what I thought to be true but wasn't you know like maybe it's a I'm this kind of artist or you know you know this kind of thing and then yeah, it creates that rawness, I think. And it also the pain gives us perspective. That's what you're mm. that's what you're mentioning there. It gives us an opportunity to step back because you you actually don't get it's you like don't a fast track. To, yeah, you don't yeah. choose to step back. You are thrown back. And you yeah. have to look at you have to look at everything because what pain does is it that's magnifies sick. what is really important and it also mm 
burns away everything else that doesn't mean mm. anything to you. Mm. And if you if you are awake and aware to that, you will see and you will understand despite how much it hurts, mm. right? Because remember, we're not diminishing the hurt. We still hurt. We're in pain. Mm. But it's, it's our choice um, with how we move forward. And that's why I love Dr. Gabor Mate's definition mm. of trauma as not what happens to us, but what happens inside of us as a result of what happens to us. Mm. So what happens next? Uh, you are you can influence mm-hmm. you can influence and and that's mm-hmm. what I you know I that's what I'm really passionate about reminding people you know and and not to be afraid not to be afraid of the pain because mm-hmm. it is so normal it's a normal reaction to an abnormal world or an mm-hmm. abnormal situation beautiful I feel like it's a really nice full circle too because the pain is can spark new ideas it peels away what we think we're meant to be doing and in times of you know uncertainty and um what else we we said stress and uncertainty the pain is the gateway to art and creativity and expression and would you like another word for pain problem if you're in business Mm. you're you're solving pain that's what you're doing Mm. so don't be afraid don't be afraid to ask to, to look into it, to dig into it, to to mm. observe it, to get to know it, to, to be curious about it because on the other side of the pain is the solution, is the place where mm. you want to be. Mm. On, the other, on the other side of that is everything that you've dreamed of, right? Mm. So, you know, and yeah. it's not linear. It's not linear. You don't just mm. arrive there and everything's fine again because we're human and life life is continues on, right? So, but the good thing is, is the more times you do it, um, you get better at it, you get quicker at recognising what's going on and you become way more robust. You have so much more space to be able to handle it. You know, mm. it, it's not you, it's not you do it once and then it's the same every single time, but it is a, something where, you know, actually now that I'm thinking, I'm making this connection in my head now, um, the pain is what makes the cup bigger. Mm. Yeah, because you can handle more. Because you can handle it's- more. And you're not suppressing, you're actually no. feeling it. Mm. Yeah, it's the pain, it's the pain that forges the cup and that makes mm. the cup bigger, you know, because there's still going to be always stuff pour, pouring in. Um, and if you don't take advantage or if you don't um, process those suppressed, the suppressed pain, you just mm. have the same size cup with the same amount of pain and an overflowed cup. Yeah, and you're constantly trying to, and it'll crack and, you know, and break, which just made me think too, it's like, I think of, as you were saying, that the cup expanding, it kind of had this image of like, you know, this kind of stone cup just, you know, growing in its in its structure and its strength. But then that also links me back to where we started around creativity. And I think of some of the best, most powerful, potent artists and creative thinkers and minds and just, you know, creative people in general that inspire me. And they have real, like I, yeah, it's, they hold, they have a big, they can hold a lot in the container and thinking of, you know, even when I was writing my book, it was like, and I do this a lot with Joe Dispenza's meditation stuff as well. It's like the bigger your dreams and the goals and the creative influence you're going to have over the world has to, you have to be prepared to hold that energy. You don't get to take people on a creative journey or open their minds or make them think in the way that musicians and artists and speakers and writers and you know 
people do expressing, you don't get that privilege if you can't hold it for yourself first and foremost. And then you will be the conduit for that, which is every artist's success, you know, a dream of success and, and big influence and, and, you know, spreading their ideas and concepts around the world, right? Absolutely, yeah. And that process of forging your cup, I think, is so personal and, you know, there's so much, there's so many things that you can do to do that, but it's so hinging upon your own past experience and your own future goals. So I think even just having an awareness of if that's the level that you want to go to, you know, investing that time and energy and expansion rather than contraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that that tipping a little bit out and letting a little bit back in, um, having a conscious awareness on a day-to-day level mm-hmm. of the activities and the people and the environments that do that for you. And then being strong enough and being determined enough to ch- only choose the ones that are going to forge a bigger cup. Mm. I think that's that's the greatest challenge of our time, considering all the distractions and all mm. the trauma and all the everything that's been going on. Mm. Amazing advice. And thank you so much. It was a very inspired conversation. I love the links and the vulnerability and the wisdom. So thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thanks. I like. I feel like we could keep going, but I'm sure yeah. people's ears are burning right now. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I would sit here for another hour, but I think that it's nice to send people away with that really clear, you know, message. And for me as well, like sitting with that and being like, you know, we are so easily caught up in the story of who we think we're meant to be as humans, which is together and unemotional. And then, you know, uncertainty and stress and scarcity experiences come from outside of us and we respond to that in, you know, I can be more perfect and let me, you know, fit in the box and I'm going to get rid of the creativity and I'm not going to have autonomy of my life and I'm not going to, you know, express myself because there's no room for that because it's an economic downturn, you know, and actually going, well, no, they're the times where you need to go deeper into it and that's actually where you get to go and feel it fully rather than you know yeah doing the I'm gonna cut back on my three dollar coffee a week or you know it's like actually go and do the work and go deep into that feeling and create from there and and feel it and and transmute it and feel that like you're enough that makes you more authentic and the more authentic you are I think the more success people have more connections more you know joy for life more contentment and the easier life is when you're mm. more yourself because you don't have to pretend anymore and I think mm. we're we're in an age where you we can see right through it we can see right through the people who aren't um who are just trying to get a, make a quick buck um through the businesses that don't care about the environment or people so you know people are very savvy and that is going to demand a, a higher level of authenticity mm. than we've ever had before and that requires um, deep, deep, deep reflection and introspection and deliberate rumination to actually pull pull focus um, to mm. the things that really matter to us, not to the world, but to us as people, mm. because we're we're the ones creating the world and we're the ones influencing the world around us. And that's you know that's really the most agency that we have and where we can mm. make the most difference. Absolutely, and I think the more that we do this work and we give each other permission to do it, the more we can change the narrative. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. How can people find you, get hold of you, work with you, be your best friends? Yeah. Oh, my God. I always love friends. I love people. Uh, you can find me at Instagram at Marion Piper Creative. My website's also marionpipercreative.com. Um, they're probably the two best places. And I've got, like, workshops and coaching and all kinds of fun things to do. So um, have a look. Upcoming have a look. Yes, uh, February 18 and February 19 online, I'm running ex- the expression sessions, which are journaling workshops. I've got a pretty um, refined methodology for doing it. So if you're someone who's always struggled with it and can't seem to stick with it, I've got a very practical way of doing that. Um, so if you want, there's an AM and a PM session. Um, mm-hmm. So if you want to come along, it'd be great to spend some time with you. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there's lots of lot, there's always lots of things going on. <laughs> Be a student, listen, learn from Marion. I also just want to finish on that because I think with that journaling thing, and I don't know whether we've said it as clear, but I think in the conversation as like learning that journaling practice and trying to practice it as many times as you can throughout is the thing that prepares you for when the feelings come. You know, it's like often we we do the work and I'm guilty of this. The shit hits the fan and you're like, okay, what are all my skills? <laughs> and you're like, journal this, that, and you just like start applying all of the remedies. But then, you know, having that realisation of being like, oh, if I did the remedies every day or like at least a few times a week, then it wouldn't get this bad. <laughs> yeah, and also too, having having it down on paper means you can retrieve it mm. because how can you, we can't rely on memory alone. We do need mm. um we do need archives of our past selves mm. that we can go back to and draw from. And that's why I love journaling because it's I give myself the most the best advice because I know myself the best. And that's mm. what it's about, right? Be your own. You're the kindest to yourself, I find. I find I'm really nice to myself. Oh, especially journaling. especially on paper. Like, you know, just in case anyone reads it. <laughs> I read it. I wrote a letter to myself on New Year's Eve a couple of years ago. And I, I was coming off the back of a back um a breakup and I was like really sad and I was it was COVID and I was like you're going someone amazing is on the way and don't you settle for anything less and like this real like girl don't you worry (laughs) you're going to be so loved and I completely forgot about it over a year later I found it in like when I was unpacking all these boxes with the love of my life she was Lizzie was standing and I was like oh my god look at this letter I wrote and it's you (laughs) See, see, words are powerful. Words are powerful. Yeah, I love it. Um, thank you so much for being here. Happy Friday. Always love having you on on the show, and we'll speak soon. Sounds good. Bye.